What's going on, motherfuckers? Welcome to the Crocs and Hot Pockets podcast. My name is Knackers, and today is, I almost said Sunday, Tuesday, April 6th, 2021. This is episode number 144. Today on the podcast, we have Rocket League extraordinaire, esports commentator, and a fellow Twitch streamer. He's actually a partner here on Twitch, and his name is Lawler. What's going on, dude? You know, at the uh, the off camera time, I was worried about like, yo, is there a tone we got to be careful of? Do we have to? And you're like, what's up, motherfuckers? It's like, yeah. <laughs> all right, sick. That's the tone, man. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm chill, man. How's your day going today? Uh, I know you know a little bit about it. It's been uh, it's been a little bit all over the place. I got my first dose of the COVID vaccine. Excited to hopefully get back to normalcy here sooner than later. Um, thought I broke my toe. I think it's just bruised. So at least that's positive. So I'm like broken and bruised, but uh pushing forward man i don't know <laughs> we're kind of all over the place right now when i first saw the vaccination videos it looked like they were sticking inches of needle into people i didn't realize there was a retracting needle that was going on and yeah, so i'm yeah. seeing these people getting stabbed i'm like oh oh no oh no 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 i'm like there's no way i'm getting that fucking vaccine um how was Dude, the-, the testing the testing was the worst part can you imagine like they like shove something so far down in your nasal cavity that that had me but like i mean i've got plenty of tattoos so the needles aren't really a big deal but right some of those some of those big boys i'm just like eh, i'm good i'm good did yeah, you that did you have to get tested in order to do some events in person um, I did it just for the sake of wanting to like beat the rush. Uh, in in area where I live, it's open to everybody sixteen and older. Uh, starting today, so I wanted to get my appointment scheduled and ready to go before stuff just gets crazy booked. Um, and I've got like health condition stuff that I have to worry about anyway. So I was just like, I might as well do it and get it done with. Gotcha. And, uh, get ahead of the curve because I do. Uh, I do have some projects and stuff that are going to require. Um, the ability to travel and stuff. And even though they have like COVID precautions set into place and set in motion of like, okay, you know, we want you to drive instead of fly. It's close enough for you to that kind of stuff. It'll be nice to just be like, yeah, I'm good, man. Like I can just, I'll be there. So interesting. Do you, does the traveling worry you at all? Is it on the front of your mind? Is it like, oh, I'm worried about it, but it's not, it's not crippling for me personally. I mean, it's crazy. You look at like airplanes and stuff with the way that they're ran with, how well they actually filter air it's better than like restaurants and everything else that people are going to so um it's more so the people that you're on board with that you have to be concerned about right and um it's smart to like double mask and all that kind of stuff which is super funny because like there was a a post that came up it's like it's better cda or cdc approves that two masks is better than one it's like well no shit like Twice the pro- twice the protection's better than one. It's like, duh. Like, why do we need approval? Like, I'm not a scientist, but like, yeah. My j- literally don't breathe. It's it's healthier. It's like, duh. Like, <laughs> breathe through your yeah. eyes. Uh, yeah. j- just yesterday, we were getting ready to go to the liquor store, and my girlfriend double masks with her dual layered masks. I'm like, you realize you're quadruple masking right now? She goes. Uh, no, I don't know if the CDC says I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure you're fine with one dual layer mask, but I hey. mean, has she gotten sick? Has she gotten COVID? She hasn't. She is not. Well, there you go, man. She's, <laughs> that quad protection is working out great. All right. <laughs> we don't judge her for being smart. All right. One of my one of my favorite things to highlight whenever I have a new guest on the show is how the invitation came to be. And the time that elapses in between invitation and actually execution. Sure, sure. Uh, so um, Lawler had sent me a message after catching a podcast back in 2019, early 2019. It was a while ago. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit how long, you know, a couple of years. And 
just a couple I want to say this is probably like a month or so ago. I'm sitting in a in a Discord lobby with my buddy Vance, who I played Rocket League with for years, and um I was just talking about guests, and he's like, dude, what about getting Lawler? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> we had this conversation two years ago, and I'm just now remembering it. And when he at that moment that he said it. I didn't know how long it had been. I'm like, ah, it's probably been like six months or nine months or something. I open up my phone. I go to our Twitter DMs, and they're right at the top just scolding me, January 2019. And I'm like, holy fuck. And then, of course, this happened with my last guest, too. Um, when when we were first talking, you weren't really going into Twitch as hard as you are now. No, definitely not. And and then I, I look back at your profile. I'm like, he's blown up. He's blown up, and now and now I'm the guy that's coming at him two years later. Like, hey man, you wanna you big ass partner man? You wanna be in my podcast, man? <laughs> you, you never know how that's gonna uh, unfold. But thankfully, um, right. you're very humble, and you remember where you came from, and, and you grace us with your presence. No man, I'm a horrible person. I'm a dick, according to Reddit. Remember? <laughs> gotta, gotta live up to that. Stop tarnishing my name and Wait, my brand, sir. Is that the actual? Dude, it's it's a thing, man. There's there's a, a few select ones that just. No matter what, they get the chance. Like there was a thread, a uh, a video that I put out today was about like new fans coming into the esport. Like, hey, I've I've played for a thousand hours, but I want to get into Rocket League esports. Where do I begin? I'm like, you know, it's a great idea for a video. I don't know if anybody's ever like been like, here's some resources so you can become invested. Ultimately, it's down to you as a fan, like what you're gonna enjoy. But this is where you get started. And like even in that, some guy was just like, some guy responded along the lines of. Yeah, Lawler's YouTube is that's what it is. Binge all this content. And the guy's like, Yeah, he's a dick, but like arguably, yeah, it's really good content. And I'm like <laughs> Alright, man. I love Reddit. Smile. Like <laughs> I don't, it's just that you can't please everybody. It's something that you learn very early in your career that no matter what you do, personalities may clash, whatever it is, like you just can't appeal to everybody. And that's something you learn at a very, very early time as a public figure. No matter how big or how small, you can be the nicest dude. You can go out of your way to try to help, but uh, people are going to see it for what it is, and uh, you just got to live with it. So, have you found that you faced more scrutiny on the caster's desk or at home on Twitch? Caster desk for sure. Really? Uh, yeah, just just because it's. I mean, you're there to do a certain job and people are criticizing you doing that job as compared to this is your content people are there for you um mm, okay. so it's like everything that i do like you are going out of your that's the weirdest thing about trolls dude is like if people come in and troll you in twitch chat which i'm sure you've had plenty of troll in, in twitch chat you went out of your way to come to my channel why like yeah oh this yeah is, this is you doing this and i'm the bad guy for getting rid of you like it makes no sense like you sought this out clearly something's going on but when you're part of like a production or a broadcast and stuff like that you are part of an entire group you are there to provide an entity of we want to make a better show in any way possible and we're each parts of that and because there are so many moving parts some may not like specific parts and that's fine you know it's it's bound to happen that's that's interesting i would have guessed the opposite but i i guess i also assume that you probably have different levels of connection to one rather than the other like do you feel that you it's easier to feel to feel personally attacked or slighted when somebody makes a constructive criticism about your twitch channel 
or or do you take like is casting that much of a passion for you that you almost like double down on your criticism for that? Yeah, I'm all I'm all right. Like it's me putting forth not only a ha- a hobby and a passion that I love and in, in commentary and esports and stuff like that. Like you're putting yourself out there. You know, you're in front of hundreds of millions of people, depending on in the broadcast, and you're busting your ass to try to do the best of your ability. And sometimes that's still just not good enough for some people. And uh, people are harsh critics, you know, anonymous names behind a computer screen. We got a bunch of armchair GMs and it's like, you know, what are what are you going to do? So it's it's a matter of trying to understand the criticism rather than just see the negative. And that's it's something you kind of like pick and pick and choose of of like this guy's really, really critical. There's some that are just like, fuck you, you suck. And I'm like, well, that's that's helpful, man. Thank you. I would love to get better with that information. But then you get some people that are really harsh, but then you, you know, dissect that and go okay this is what they're trying to get across i'll try to better that you know it's it, it humbles you to an extent but there's obviously asking the general populace to provide cr- constructive criticism is is an impossible task i mean we got people eating tide pods so like what do you <laughs> you know that's so true have yeah. you now with that said do you feel like the public forum can still be beneficial to a point even though as far as like yeah, constructive, of course of course you, okay I, I think anytime you you have it's difficult because obviously you want constructive conversation. You want people to have discussions and those things have never really done well on like public forum. Like you very rarely get a civil conversation of like, I have this opinion. Well, I have this opinion. Well, I respect your opinion, but these are what my, like, you just don't get that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a hive mind. So, um, they've tried those kind of conversations and they just never go well. So I think to an extent it's good for the exposure side and it's good to get people discussing it. And even if that discussion doesn't go a good way, at least people are still discussing it. People are still, you know, for the ones that like most Redditors don't comment. Most don't interact at all. They just look at the content, obtain that information. And then they talk about it with their friends through discord or anything else. And as long as that's happening, I think it's, I think it's positive, right? Like I can scroll through the subreddit and be like, okay, this is a thing that happened and I'll talk about it with my community. And then my community interacts and like it snowballs. So anytime you can get that exposure and, and it branches out, everybody's gonna have a different perspective everybody's gonna have a different take on certain things and even though we may agree on some we may disagree on others and that i i think that just betters the situation it's the same thing with like competition and retail or anything else you know you look at apple and android Mm -hmm. both competitors it's better for the consumer if they're fighting each other trying to get better and better like whether you like one or the other doesn't matter as long as we receive the benefit in the end which is better product better operating systems better you know so that competition is always good, and I think that conversation always leads to more and more things. So uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I think it's it's overwhelmingly positive, even if there is some negative in there. I think that's bound to happen no matter what. Like, people people suck, you know, <laughs> retail too long. People suck. That's just how it is. And that's a huge generalization, but anybody who's worked in retail will agree. So. Oh, my God. Uh, that is, I would go back to working in food easily so easily like if somebody came up and said hey you can make the same amount of money you're making now but delivering a sandwich for jimmy john's i'd go do that in a fucking heartbeat because that was like one of the best jobs i ever had uh but retail was fucking garbage like there was was nothing good there's nothing genuine on the corporate side of it because you are literally you're a cog in a massive massive machine and it's yep. so rare that you have a manager or a boss that genuinely cares about your interest. Um, I remember when I worked at Best Buy in the computer sales department for like a year and a half. And when I when I wanted to quit, both my manager and my boss tried to convince me that the job that I was moving to wasn't going to pay the same. 
And the job was getting a start in my IT career, which I'm still in now. It's like, you are you really going to make 30 grand over there? I don't want to. It doesn't sound right. Are you sure you trust whoever you did this interview with? I'm like, you motherfuckers. Are you kidding me? And, of course, that was my anecdotal experience. But fuck retail, man. Yeah, it's a it's a fickle mistress. And there's there's sometimes I worked in in commission based sales when I was in retail and like having hit quotas and stuff like that and being dishonest to customers and stuff like that. The amount of times I got written up for insubordination for just being like, I'm not going to sell this 26 year old dude like a home phone. He doesn't want a landline. I'm not wasting his time or my time. And if anything, it's just going to turn him away. He's going to be like, man, this guy came in and offered me all this shit. I never want to go back. Yep. Like customer retention is not that hard to grasp. Like. If you walked into the store, would you want that to happen to you? And don't tell me yes. No. You're a liar. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. Uh, if you need motivation to stay away from retail, it's work retail. Like, get a different job. Like, after losing the RLCS, man, I bust my ass so I never have to go back to that. Like, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Um, speaking of that, I know mm-hmm. that you have probably talked about that thing so many times. I have day. I have no interest in getting any additional information out of you. So if you if part of your story leads into that, totally fine. I do not expect you to talk about that at all because I assume that that horse has nine lives <laughs> because of how many times it's been beaten. A little bit, a little bit. Um, one thing I want to touch on before I kind of get to your your history in casting is back when I first met you, or back when I first like became known of you. Um, mm-hmm. You seemed a lot less animated than you are now. Like you seem really in your element, um, not only as a caster, but cranking out the YouTube content as well. And then going hard into streaming, just like the way that I see you interact with your community, the energy that you have now compared to then what, what changed from way back then? Um, I think anytime you're a, a public figure on camera, there's a little bit of reservation. Um, it has to do a lot with my history. I've actually done an article about this, about talking about uh, suicidal tendencies, and, you know, really traumatic stuff from when I was a kid that I'm, I'm lucky that I'm on the other side of. But the never feeling good enough, the never, like, it, it was more so the realization of, like, self-reflecting of, hey, you've been doing this thing and you got picked to do this thing for a reason, but now you have to convince yourself that you were picked for that reason. You know, it constantly the feeling of I'm not good enough, this and that, and all these kind of things were just like, you know what? Out of all the hundreds of thousands of people they could have picked, they picked me and they picked me for a reason. So let me be the best version of myself that I can be. And just getting rid of that, that I guess, aura of negativity of just like, you're not good enough, this and that. Those negative feelings really showcase. And that's kind of the, I guess, the best advice I can give, especially for people that work on camera. That stuff shows so easily. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got some residual things going on, like that carries through to the broadcast so easily. So you look at the contrast in some of the guys that I've been lucky to work with, like Golden Boy and, and Fundable Carpet, I think are, are fantastic examples of people that their charisma and the way that they are off camera is the exact same on camera. It's it's something that a lot of us as broadcast talent are super envious of where you translate the exact same way on camera. Because obviously there's nerves and pressure and everything else, and you're trying to be the perfect whatever. Um, and the big turning point for me and my career was actually getting to do E League, uh, which with TBS. You know, like that's a national broadcast television. That's a huge confidence booster. That of all the broadcast talent in Rocket League, they went with me, and that 
team and that broadcast team obviously being some of the best in the world because they take care of amc cartoon network tnt like Mm -hmm. they're professionals they are the pinnacle of esports production and they're just like yeah man have fun if you if you fuck up it's okay you know like in the middle of our set one of the like posters on the sidewall like dropped and made a really loud noise and uh kevin one of the guys in our ear turns on the loud comm which tells everybody in the studio it's only used for like hey we're setting up this next part because production's way in the back and they're just like hey like next up get this here's your here's your marks all right get ready for the show and he turns that mic on and just goes my bad in the middle (laughs) in the middle of the production show that's live on twitch and it's like that was to me like the one time i really remember of like people make mistakes it's fine Mm -hmm. bro just just have fun you're here for a reason relax and hang out and like between that and like Richard Lewis painting me as the pretty boy and stuff like that. Like I had a blast. It was a really <laughs> good time. And like, I remember at one point I like talked about like why Mocket was looking good or whatever. And then he asked achieves who's painted as like the brain. And he's like, no, everything Lawler said, I just look at it. I look at uh, uh, Richard Lewis. And I'm just like, see, not just a pretty face, man. And he's oh, just like, okay, yeah. okay. Respect, respect. And I was like, <laughs> so it's like, you kind of get into your own. And then it's just like, you have these individual moments that really propel you to that next level to be like, it's more of like a, a self-realization or like a anecdotal moment in your life that you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe I am meant to be doing this. And, you know, it's just getting through those through experiences and everything else. And that applies to everything in life, you know, like just sometimes you need that big moment. That's just like, oh, okay. Even though you knew you just need something to convince you. So yep. I think it's a mixture of that. And then also going through like just hardships, you know, obviously losing RLCS sucked. It is what it is. Um, but that really gave me a chance to look back and be like, what do I want to do? How do yeah. I want to move forward? What do, and the first thing is not back to retail, obviously not going to do that. So what am I going to do to stay away from that? And, you know, just reaching out and putting yourself out there and, and grinding. So, um, I think that's part of it, obviously big moments and and big things that are kind of that convincing things in throughout my career. And then also, you know, the struggles, the, the whole concept of, you know, the, the feedback I got was overwhelming things I did not expect um after, public, after post rlcs yeah 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 so post rlcs you know letting people know hey i'm not gonna be coming back like the day that happened i turned off my phone went and watched some playoff football because they were playing and then i got home later at night and was just like what the fuck like what is this because you just don't realize like what kind of impact you leave on people you don't know because you're so tunnel vision and so focused on like gotta grind gotta work gotta you know you don't really take a step back and look at the whole encompassing thing and just yeah that was that was pretty overwhelming it was uh like okay, maybe I can, maybe I can channel this into something. So that's yeah, really appreciative, really appreciative of, of where I'm at. And, and the reason I'm able to do what I am is because of the people that support me. So that's Good one feeling, of the, that's one of the um, main things that I always forget about. And it's like one of those, you don't realize it's good until it's gone. The a lot of people who they don't necessarily take you for granted, but they appreciate you, but they don't necessarily voice it like in oh, the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Like all of that. It's the positive. same thing like I said on Reddit, right? Like yep. most of the people that are there and are upvoting don't say anything. They're just like, Yep, I enjoy that. And they peace out. Yep. Um, how the fuck do you do anything with somebody talking in your ear while you're live? If it makes you feel better, I can hear myself talking. Right now, all the time too. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, so I have my. It's it's something that you get with casting, um, experience, just like anything else. Like if if anybody in chat or anybody listening to this, go in like record yourself talking. That in itself is ridiculous. For the first time you record yourself on camera, look at how many times you mess up and and how many times you you just stumble over stuff and you have to retake. 
and then go back and listen to it as well. I know so many people that hate hearing their own voice. Mm -hmm. And the first two things you get is you get an in-ear monitor so you can hear yourself talk so you don't exert too much force so you don't strain your voice, any of that kind of stuff. And then the other thing is that's how you improve. You have to watch yourself to get better. And then the other side of that is how am I supposed to know what the heck I'm doing or when to throw to stuff or when to be doing stuff unless I have production in my ear. So you just get used to it, man. After a certain point, it's just second nature. There's a lot of like little cues you'll see. Like if you watch me, uh, like when I host the V1 broadcast for the grid, like you'll be sitting there and I'll like nod to stuff and like super will be in the middle of a point. My co-commentator, he'll be talking and stuff and I'll just be like nodding and stuff. Part of it is to be like, yes, I'm listening. The other part is because I got production being like, all right, get ready to throw to this content piece in this amount of time and stuff like that. Like, I love as a commentator when my production is like 30 seconds, 15 seconds, five oh. seconds, because that's how that's how I know, like, how long of a point do I need to make? Right. How much time do I have to transition to the next thing? So if I got 30 seconds, I've got 25 seconds to make a really important point. I got 10 seconds, quick little blurb, transition to the next five seconds, shut the fuck up, it's time to go. You know, like, <laughs> there's there's certain things like that that you just get used to. And I mean, I've been doing it for, I'm going on six years now. It's just, wow. It's just tricks of the trade, man. You, It's stuff that, you know, people think it's easy, but just like anything else, you have to practice it. You have to get used to it. And it uh, it comes with experience. And you can tell very quickly the people that you work with are experienced or not. Very quickly. I, I would imagine because yeah. all of, all of the, the the little things that you mention um, that just go into being a caster or all things that I know off the cuff, I would just not be good at. Like, I'm I think I'm decent at hosting a show. But as far as being the front of a production, having to deal with reading teleprompters, all the shits going on, people in your ear, um, working well with others, <laughs> like all factors that probably come into that, that I'm sure if I was to be put in the situation, I could maybe get good at a couple of those, but there's probably some natural, natural talent in there that really shines through with, with other casters. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little bit OCD. Like I, I've very finite level, everything. I'm very meticulous in everything I do. I have to be. Yes. Most of the commentators are like, yeah, Lawler preps harder than anybody else because it's just, that's just how I am. I need to know stuff. Because I much rather, rather than having to freestyle something, I'd rather be able to know the information. And that was something that I've gotten better at where I like, I wing a lot of stuff now just because I've spent so much time prepping that now it's just like, yeah, just go off of what you know. You don't need to like basically script everything you do. And that's probably where you get that like monotone, like very straight edged. Now it's just a little bit more free flowing. It's because everything is pretty much just off the cuff. And that's, benefits to the amount of effort i put in early so even though it may have had a negative impact early on it's really benefited me further in my career same thing with like things you didn't think i used to be a person that constantly talked under his breath and mumbled and public speaking was never my thing and now it's just wow. like how the hell are you in this career field like you know like my parents are like i have no idea how this came to be but you know it's awesome so yeah, I think just like anything else, like I mentioned, it's going to take practice. And even though you say like, hey, you may struggle with that stuff, we all struggled with it. I mean, the first show date we ever did was with a bunch of guys who we have no professional experience casting, all all grass, all grassroots. And we go to a studio and they go to start the first live show after like a day of rehearsal. And our production lead literally hovers over the kill switch. Because he doesn't know. He's yeah. like, These are a bunch of guys who have never worked on camera before. I have no idea if I'm going to need to cut this program and save face for psionics. I oh. don't know. So again, like sometimes you just got to jump in head first. Um, do you, are you, do you by chance have the stream up and running right now? 
I do. Okay, so I'm going to show you something. So do you remember meeting me in Vans back in 2017? In Vans? Yeah, my buddy Vans. I think so. Okay. The name the name Van sounds really familiar. Maybe that's why. So he he's been in your chat a shit ton. And when I say we Thanks, met, man. appreciate it, man. I mean you have no idea who we are, and we saw you from like a couple feet away. But I do have something that I want to show you that might. Where where, uh, where did you guys meet me initially? Was it at a land? Was it at a convention? Was it 2017 RLCS in Washington? Okay. So I'm gonna bring up. Uh, what I got on screen here. So I'm on the left. Vans is on the right. And we were some hooligans that were sitting behind you guys on the casting desk. And yep, you can shit on us. It, we've, we've grown up. We've matured. And uh, I want to say that those times are behind us. But goddamn, if we did not have the most fun um, at that event and also just kind of messing with you guys just, just a little bit. So I hey, need man, to know. I, uh, I personally miss... I love, so there's two stage setups I really enjoy uh, for the caster booth. That is one of them. I love having the crowd, the sign interaction. I think Axtos did a phenomenal job with like interacting with the crowd and the Nissan Cup noodle signs and like the top 10 anime betrayals with Gibbs. And like, even though you guys are memeing here, like shit, dude, that's, that's impressions, man. Like that's <laughs> moments that goes down in RLC's history as some of the funniest moments and shit. And like the, the phone with the shoe and yeah. like, all that shit, man. <laughs> I love that setup. It's so much fun. The other side, too, is when all the lights in the camera are facing you, and then the crowd's on the other side of that. I love that shit. Being able to see the fans and feed off their energy when it's behind the camera, I love that shit. Because casting, like, popular to belief, more pressure at land, for sure. Live crowd, live audience, way more pressure. But it's so much easier as a caster. Because the energy just... It just fills you. Like, you don't even have to work for it, man. Like... The atmosphere is just electric, so like everything just comes so naturally. The big points you make are supported by crowd roars. Yeah, like, I make a prediction, and normally it's just like I think this team sucks; they're gonna lose, and everybody's just like crickets. Well, I disagree. Blah blah blah. It's like okay, cool, but like I disagree, and I think yep, G two is gonna lose. Vitality wins world championship. Sucks to be stay three K top crowd booze and all that kind of stuff. Like that is a moment. Like that is so much easier. And yeah, there's a lot more pressure. Yeah, it's a live event, but like. The crowd, like, we, oh, God, we miss it. We miss it so fucking much. I, I bet you guys do. I, I can't imagine being at the helm of an event like that. Um, There's nothing like it, man. That is my first and only in-person esports experience ever. Um, back then, me, Vans, and my buddy 42, we were playing every week. Um, you know, we were, I, I think I have a total of, it's not a crazy amount. I think I have a total of about 11 to 1200 hours in rocket league, okay. uh, max out at about diamond three, um, champ one, every, every time I tried to get into champ, uh, it was like the hardest season ever to do so, whether it was the MMR or the matchmaking or whatever. And it was always so hold, uh, so hard to hold on to. Um, but that event was so fucking fun. And Vans, <laughs> Vans wanted me to ask, was it that event that made RLC or that made Rocket League stop putting the crowd behind the commentators? <laughs> there was definitely some like there was definitely some like uh oh because the issue is is like when moments like that happen, production has to be so careful, right? right? Like because that stuff's going out to sponsors and everything. Like you have to be super careful with that stuff, and you just it's things you can't control, right? Right. There's, there's certain things that are out of our hands, so. Now with the, like, in London, I think was the start of it with the Team 104 and the chance and stuff that kind of got started. Um, there is now 
every land after that season five going on has been like a dedicated section of like these are the community figures these are the content creators this like this is where they sit okay. and that's just like something that they coordinate on their own and now usually we like mic up that section we put cameras on it like oh no shit we, so like we usually try to do stuff because we can have trust that that stuff is going to go well but um i don't think we'll ever go back to that anyway just because the arena setup mm-hmm. obviously madrid we just didn't have the the amount of people right um i mean that arena is supposed to hold like twenty some thousand or something like that and we only oh my used God. half of it and even half of it wasn't full so uh just because of various reasons we don't need to go into but right the uh yeah i i think the arena setup is going to make that very difficult but i oh man i love i love desks in the crowd it's so hype it's it was so fun. it was for us it was just as surreal to to be right behind it um and again like the energy back and forth like yeah I didn't know what it was going to be like to be in an auditorium for three days straight um, <laughs> yeah. for those hours. And then, of course, like the the final matchup, which was double elimination. It's like mm-hmm. 14 games straight, 13 games straight. Absolutely insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, we we had absolutely so fun. Uh, we had a crazy amount of fun, not only just being there, but meeting up with our online buddies who we hadn't seen in a super long time. We got to stay out with them. Um, just the whole the whole event. It made me so it was like I was nostalgic for something that I'd never experienced before. It's a it's a very weird feeling to put into words unless you've been there. Like it, it's tough because people are like, should I go to Atlanta? It's like, yes. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's you and thousands of other people that are like minded all there for the same thing. If you've ever been to a sporting event, it's that but better. Like it really is. And it's it's hard to articulate that feeling to where they'll actually understand it. It's just like, it's some of the best times of my life. It really is. It's such a good time. And I obviously I have a very privileged view of it, but I mean, still, even with the community members and getting to interact and hang out and like, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a special one. I, I, I hope we get another one soon. I think Dallas would have been insane, but uh, it's unfortunate that one got shut down. So the next one, the next one with free to play and everything else, the content creators blown up, you know, you got, musty and sunless and Lethmere just hit a mill and it's like i saw that the amount of people that are going to be like at that next event is just unworldly it is going to be huge and i'm i'm here for it so before we get um started on rocket league i want to touch on how you got your start in casting um sure. what where was the turning point from whatever you were doing before to i think this is something that that i want to do what did that path look like for you so a long time ago, a game came out July 2015, and I saw a few weeks prior during beta time uh, a GIF on one of the subreddits. I don't know if it was like gaming or front page or something like that. And it was a Fuchsia Kid and a sick freestyle, it basically an aerial where he hit it twice. <laughs> Back, Back like, in 2015. So cool. <laughs> What's this game? This game is insane. What is it? You know? And it reminded me of actually uh, Excite Bike 64 from when I was a kid. Yeah. Because that game had a soccer ball and the motorcycles and you could and you could push it. I'm like, I want to play that. So I was playing League of Legends heavily at the time, pretty high MMR. Um, I was like Diamond 1, like kind of hovering in a... Yeah, I, used Damn. To pretty, I played for like six and a half years. I still know that like, and he has the longest attack damage range from him. It's stupid. I hate how much information I have about that game. But Rocket League made me quit Cold Turkey. And the difficulty was all my friends who saw Rocket League were like, nah, I'm good. So I'm like, what do I do? So I didn't have the, f- my, my tiny walnut brain, smooth brain was like, I have no friends. I have to queue 1v1 because I don't have friends. I can't do 2v2 or 3v3 when I could have just queued solo, right? 
But so I, I grinded ones and at one point peaked top 15 in the ladder in like preseason season one. I used to be really good at the game. Nowhere near that anymore now. Wow. Um, but that's how I met like uh, OG names like Husky, Covenal, Fireburner, like all the, that's I met them through the 1v1 ladder and uh, eventually found a threes team with a couple other guys that were pretty good at ones and um, ended up making a threes team playing an ESL and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we either got top four, we got knocked out in like round of 16 by like market or some shit back when it was like low five and insolences and, and names like that. So, um, eventually got to the point where there was a, a public posting by cloud fuel that we were like, yo, we need community casters. These people, these organizations are looking to try it out. So I'm like, you know, it'd be fun. Uh, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do. You know, it doesn't hurt. It feels like it could be a fun hobby and, uh, put in my, my demo reel and, and, uh, they're like, yep, let's do it. So I started casting, every Saturday for an organization called VVV just as like a hobby for fun uh, Saturday nights. And it was like all the players signed up and then they shuffled all the players and did like captain drafts and stuff like that. it was super cool. Uh, so and that was your that, first casting. Yeah. First casting was doing that. And then that was like, that was in the middle of like competing. So if I wasn't competing, I would cast, um, but competition took first. And then one of our teammates actually ended up going into the military. And rather than finding like, I'm like, dude, there's no way we're going to find another good support player like this. There's no way. Cause we were like top 15 in the, in the NA at that time, like power rankings, like we're doing okay. And then rather than trying to find a new teammate, I was just like, you know, this casting thing is pretty fun. I, I really enjoy this. So I started filling in a more cast. That's how I met leaf. That's how leaf and I got started was VVV on Tuesday nights. I filled in. And then like anytime after that, I'm just like, yo, I need to cast with this guy a lot. So he and I became this like, dedicated duo and we grew together and then um basically stopped trying to compete and went full into casting um gave up my social life like I every, bet. Day, every day was like cast for eight hours stay up another eight hours reviewing <sighs> the cast talk to brody like at eight three in the morning four in the morning being like hey bro did you see this part like i liked when we did and he's like still awake too doing the exact same thing like we had that that wavelength going on and then uh fun fact Cloudfuel made a list of like 40 community casters of like, these are the guys RLCS is coming. These are the people to pick from. I was not on that list. He saw me cast with my old commentator who I don't need to name him, but he would like fall asleep in the middle of the broadcast. He would just, it was bad. It was really bad. Shit. So he never saw me cast other events. He never saw me cast with leaf who he was really keen on. Cause he and he and leaf were pretty close. So I got left off that list psionics slash twitch reach out because twitch used to be in control of the of like the decisions because they were the partner with rlcs basically psionics basically was like twitch take care of our esport that's right handle it so golden boy was working for twitch at that time and was in charge of finding broadcast talent uh psionics wanted really heavily to go for well-established people already like benson and puckett who did the mlg thing uh for the shot heard across the world and golden boy is like no you want people from the from the game, the guys that know your stuff. So he fought for us really, really hard, uh, which is why Golden Boy will always be esports dad. But <laughs> so all that stuff happens. They find their their few. They've got five people: uh, Gibbs, James Bot, uh, Leaf, Findable Carpet, and Wave Punk. Those are their five, and they're trying to find their six. And their six was a guy by the name of Toasty Jones, and not a lot of people know that name because he disappeared. Oh, uh, Toasty Jones apparently got reached out to in DMs. They called him, they emailed him, they tried to get a hold of him, and he just did not respond. No idea why. Whoa. So Leaf has his interview and like, hey man, we want you. That's awesome. And he's like, well, have you heard of my boy Lawler? I wouldn't be here without him. Blah, blah, blah. Brody being the nicest dude ever that he is. Wow. 
And then uh, Golden Boy's like, no, I haven't. Send over some clips. Let me know and and do that. And then Golden Boy responds to him like a couple days later. He's like, dude, this guy's fucking great. Why haven't I? How have I not heard of him? What the hell? And uh, Golden Boy called me eventually and was just like, hey, like you weren't on the initial list that may hinder some things. I'll fight for you. No guarantees, but just know like I'll see if I'll see if they'll do it. All like a few days later, and doesn't say hi, doesn't introduce, doesn't whatever, and just goes. You're in. No shit. And that's, yeah, fly out to LA and five years later, six years later now, man. It's crazy. What, what was your demo reel made up of if, if you hadn't uh, really cast it? I took, a, uh, I took a, one of the games, I Buy Power Cosmic versus Air Force 2, and just muted it and cast it over it. So, oh, so you weren't even casting. You just took it. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was just like, okay, this is a game. I was just like, all right, let me cast over this to give them. This is how I would do it. Let's see if they like it. And then, because I mean, being a high level 1v1 player at the time, it's like, I knew the game pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I understood how the game played and rotations and all that kind of nonsense, even as a ones player. But the big thing I knew was like game sense and game IQ. Right. It's the reason why I still love to this day, the players that are support players. You know, you look at uh, lesser now, but uh, like, um, like Mist or uh, Archie. Players, players that do the fundamentals really well. They understand when and when not to ch- like that. That innate game understanding. I love players like that because they just have such a good grasp of the game, even though it's so fast paced. And part of that's because I started as a ones player. Is just knowing when and when not to challenge, when to give space, when not to, when to shadow, like all that kind of stuff. So that was being able to being able to articulate that in the demo reel. I guess was I. I still don't know why. Maybe they're just like no one else signed up. Here you go. You know, right. like, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. You'll never know. <laughs> I, and I'm okay with it, man. Ones, <laughs> um, ones was I never got into ones like ever. A lot of people when I, hate it. That's fair. Whenever I played Rocket League, I'm I'm a social gamer. I don't I don't right. do well gaming by myself. So when I out of the the one, two, three days a week that I have to play video games, I don't want to continue being alone. I want I want to play with friends. So right. if if friends couldn't play, I just wouldn't play. And that obviously put you know, took a major chunk out of my skill because I was never spending time on the fundamentals. I was always playing with them. I was always the worst of the three. Um, and so, and, and that kind of factors into why I don't really play it anymore. Um, as far as transitioning from gaming to casting, was it a hard dream for you to give up gaming and to go over to casting? Was that, did, did that decision take you a long time? Not at all. Really? Okay. I was, I was what, 22, 23, new esports career was already dead before it started, man. <laughs> too old. I'm not going to be able to keep up with these kids and their mechanics. Like, it was more of like understanding, like, dude, I'm having a lot of fun doing this other thing. Why not? I can still play the game and still enjoy it at a high level for now. But uh, this other thing is really fun. It's something new. Let's challenge myself with it. So I just went into it. Do you still, I, yeah. do you still feel that way that you, even if you try to compete now, that you couldn't keep up? I wouldn't. I, there was no way. Really? There's no way. No. Definitely not. Even if you were to put, you know, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, every day, no, no casting. It's nothing but Rocket League. I still play on default controls. <laughs> I, I only swap uh, my boost and, and something else. Like, I'm, I'm pretty normal with it, too. Yeah, I was never. I mean, I've got OK mechanics, but you're, you're not going to see me hitting flip resets all the time. I just I play less than 10 hours a month, if that now. So, uh, OK, so it's definitely on the lesser side. Um, The last when. Season one came out. Uh, it really got me and my two buddies excited. And mm-hmm. I don't really know why, because at that point I had stopped playing it because I had reached the point where 
I was either going to sacrifice my job, my girlfriend, or my Twitch streaming in order to put more time. And even though I personally saw a huge gap, and this is not, you can take this as a dig to Rocket League players or, or not, take it as you will. I can't watch other people play Rocket League because of the lack of energy. Like most people who play Rocket League are pretty, pretty chill. And Rocket nice League. That's way of saying boring, but yeah. <laughs> Hey man, I don't know about here. you, but like, I don't want to listen to the same J. Cole song on repeat as you like <laughs> hit cracked shots. Like, yeah, it's it's a blessing and a curse with Rocket League because it does so well on Twitch for competitions. Right, it's the best of the best. Um, it's everybody that you want to watch on Twitch all coming together for one big moment. But Rocket League is something that takes a ton of your attention at a high level. It's very tough to interact and mm-hmm. and still play at that high level and. Uh, most people, when they watch it, get instilled with like, shit, I wish I was playing. And then they'll go play instead. So unless you're unless you're one of those that does the entertainment side really, really well, it's, you know, yeah, a majority of Rocket League streamers. I mean, you've heard many of AAA broadcast talent uh, from other games talk about like one of the biggest flaws of Rocket League, especially the pro scene, is lack of personality. Yeah, it, it is. It's But what do you expect? You're a 15-year-old kid. You don't even know who you are as a person yet. Like, this is so true. How, how much can we blame you for that? So I think it's nice because you're starting to see some of the pros get a little bit older and you're starting to see those personalities develop. They're a little bit more articulated when they have conversation and when they give answers. I think Garrett G is probably one of the best pros as an example of that. I mean, he came in as a quiet 15, 16-year-old kid. Yeah. And now he's one of the best on camera. He well-thought answers. Like, super friendly with it and in the past like he would run from the interviewer like he's like no 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 you you you," and he pushes teammates so like it's it's again it takes time but yeah um yeah i mean you can always have more personality you can always have a little bit more banter and stuff and um you know i i think our scene is a little bit soft there's some there's some stuff that comes out and you know any little tiny thing is drama to them and it's just like guys have have you seen gears of war have you seen call of duty have you have you watched ESPN hit writers go after some of these athletes? Like, right. If, if Rocket League gets picked up by the big boys, like you guys are in trouble and you're gonna be crying to your mommies. Like they're gonna, they're not gonna hold back. They don't give a shit what you say on Twitter. Yeah. You aren't paying their bills. Nope. Not at like, all. And they that's will not hold back. Seeing that atmosphere made me realize that I wasn't fit for it. Um, yeah. I was like, I knew, I knew that I could fill a void on the Rocket League side on the personality stuff. At least I thought so back then. And I was, but I couldn't dedicate my entire life. I've never been a one game person like my entire life. I'll play something for a while. Like Mm -hmm. right now I'm playing my first ever call of like, I'm having my first call of duty experience right now playing cold war. Um, I play Fridays almost every Friday and Saturday for six to 10 hours and then, but and but that's just it. I just play it. I usually, you know, have fun shitting and drinking on stream. Um, but I, I'll Shit probably on stream. Jeez, man. Yeah. Well, that's why I have the pickle avatar over, so they can't really see what's going on. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Smart, um, smart. I'll probably find something else in two, three, four months. But dedicating all into one game, not only from just a gaming perspective, but from a from a streaming perspective. I I just it's, just, it's not good for you anyway. No. Um, I mean, I'm happy that Rizzo has gotten the fan base that he has now that he's transitioned to content creation. But like, even he understood, like, yes, Rocket League is what pays the bills, and that's where the fan base is. But he at least understood, like, I should play Minecraft, I should play these other games and stuff on the tail end of my stream because you have to, you have to diversify because Rocket League is not going to be around forever. It's just right. not a thing. You look at all the different phases of content through YouTube, whether it be Pokemon cards or you know whatever else is going on. You have to adjust with the changes, and 
for a lot of these a lot of these younger kids that like don't stream or don't build content or don't do youtube or like once you're done as a pro what are you going to do yep like you're you're already too far behind sometimes you know and not saying anyone in particular but like some of these kids just don't have a personality they're dull they're quiet they're I have no reason to watch your content other than you're absolutely cracked at this game. Everything right. else is is bottom barrel, dude. Like, and that's not to be mean. It's just you're a kid. Like, I don't know what do you want me to say about it. Like, yeah. you'll get there, but your stuff is going to suffer unless you start doing it early and building that foundation. Now, when you have the exposure to it, so when it comes down the road and you do develop those personalities and and kind of find yourself as a person, which is tough to do. I mean, when you're under the scrutiny of hundreds of thousands of people and you're under a ton of pressure at the age of 15, like that shapes you as a person. So again, it's, it's, it's a tough balance. I do not envy some of these kids with what they're having to go through being a 15, 16 year old kid playing in front of hundreds of thousands of people, people shit talking you on social forums. And like, it's, you know, yeah, they're making damn good money because of it. But at the same time, like how much is that affecting them long-term and you know, the mentality of, you know, it's, uh, it's a weird thing that we go through as, as like for some of these kids, public figures and, and especially at a young age, like the stuff you have ex- to expect of them with scrim schedules and, and playing professionally and traveling. And dude, when I was 15, I went to soccer practice. I did my homework sometimes and tried to get like Becky's number. Like those were yeah. my three things in life. That's all I had to care about. Everything yep. else didn't matter. Like, Am I doing my hair today before I go? Am I going to shower before or after practice? Yeah. Like, I didn't have to be like, okay, I got to be at this flight at this time. I got to fly across the world. I've got to hit scrims these oh times. I got a player meeting. I've got interviews. I got to beat like never in a million years. Did I think that would happen as a kid, you know? And I don't know many that can handle it. So the fact that we do have some coming out of it is like, that's awesome. You know, I commend you guys. Cause it is not easy no. to the parents and the structure they have at home. Cause it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and at the same time, like we want to see you succeed, but at the same time, you're that age. We can't ask you to give up your education, to, right. you know, elsewhere too. Cause 15, you're in fucking high school. Like I you're a baby. Yeah. You literally I'm, are a child. I'm almost, I'm almost twice as old as you. I've been on this earth twice as long as you've been living. So don't tell me your opinion matters, bro. I don't <laughs> care. Like you're so wrong on so many levels, but you don't understand it because you're a kid. And I, I get it. Cause I was there. Yeah. Trust me. I'm not trying to shit on you, but I'm just saying you're wrong on every fathomable way. Like it's okay, but you're not going to listen to me because I'm a, I'm a stupid adult that disagrees with you. You know, yeah, like, we're, all, just, we're all boomers now. You know, yeah, it's so funny. It's a weird balance, bro. Whenever um, I would have the conversation with, my parents about like mindset now and mindset back then. And whenever mm-hmm. they would say, you just don't understand. It's not that you wouldn't understand. It's that you are literally incapable of comprehending yep. what I am telling you. And when I finally realized that distinction later on in life, I'm like, holy shit. Like I think about what I thought when I was 13, 14, 15, the things that I thought about we're in this tiny little bubble. You don't think about things outside of this bubble. And then you can't. You, your your brain has not developed to do that. You yeah. can't. And to to have to try and deal with like going to RLCS as an adult and all the things that I had to plan just being in attendance of that was <laughs> immeasurable. Um and but to be to be one of these kids and to to compete and to be on a team like to be accountable and to hold other people accountable at that age and to formulate like obviously people play on on teams, um, you know, coming up in high school with high school sports. But when you're on that small of a team and your impact is is massive, 
uh, because of just how how evenly it's distributed against two, three, four people. Uh, it, it's super crazy to to think about how what level they're functioning at at the age that they're at right now. It's it's a huge undertaking, man, and it's difficult because obviously it's like you can't agree with all of them. You know, some of them feel it's a personal attack and stuff, and it's like, dude, this has nothing to do with you. I understand you're second guessing everything in life because you think, oh, what about what about? And it's just like it's not, man. I'm just it's a generalization. It's okay. But you take it as a personal thing, and then you know, one moment they're okay, one moment they're not, and it's just like, dude, you're going through hormones and puberty. I get it. And having the understanding of someone older trying to be patient with that, but at the other time, I just want to smack you and be like, you shut the fuck up. Like, you know, like you have to have some sort of understanding of like, yes, this is a 15 year old child. It's okay. So yeah, it's again, I uh, I've kind of gotten out of that role. I took a step back. I'm focusing on me. I'm doing me, and. uh it's a different path, man. It's been an interesting one. Have you had any parents contact you on behalf of their child? Be like, excuse me, Mr. Lawler, sir. I don't appreciate the comments that you spewed out on Reddit the other day. No. No. Have I, you? If anything, I, I have so many of the parents that actually hang out on my chat. Because my chat on Twitch is like average age 18 to 35. I have a very old chat. What? Yeah, it's awesome. Like, we don't get little Minecrafters in there or Fortnite flicking 90 kids. Like, we have a very old chat. I love it. Interesting. Okay. And what, like, obviously that's, we do get some more, but the, the number one category is 18 to 35. And then next to that is 36 to like 50 something, 58 or something. What do you attest that to? The content, I think. Okay. I, I try to have conversation and, 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 and I can't even say it. Anecdotal. Anecdotal. Um, yeah. Anecdotal statements. And, you know, I tried to, talk about things that are forward thinking and theory crafting and stuff like that. And um, it's just the mentality. I think, you know, uh, credit to my mods, my mods do a good job of like greeting everybody and like yeah. set a precedent and we don't put up with bullshit. And it's just like, you know what? I may be like bad guy, but I'm a bad guy to a 12 year old. Do I really care? <laughs> like, that's, and it's like, part of it is being blunt and not being afraid to speak my mind. Like, yeah, you know, for a long time, I wasn't allowed to have an opinion about certain things. Cause you know, you're hired to the broadcast your representation of that of that developer and that's not the case anymore you know if i have a feeling about something and if i think this format sucks dick i'm gonna tell you you know it's yeah so i I think that's part of it um but honestly i don't know i think it's just i listen to metal a lot so a lot of kids don't like that so that keeps them away maybe that's like the first barrier of entry (laughs) (laughs) i'm not listening to little little boat and other shitty rap music that people mumble about maybe that's it maybe (laughs) Could be Maybe that the screaming is just a deterrent to keep them away. It's working. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, circling back to uh, Rocket League, um, season one, falling kind of temporarily falling back in love, um, mm-hmm. playing a lot. Season two hit. We played a shit ton, and you've probably heard this just so so many times. But when I play that game, I only play competitive because the casual is such a lackluster experience. Like it's you so say that, but I get better matches in casual than I do in ranked. Well, I don't doubt that, but the constant rotation of people kind of irks me a little bit. And I never feel like when I play a match, I felt like I played three different matches just because the dynamic is constantly changing because of people swapping in and out. It's also um, the rank you're at. And I don't mean that as a slight. It's no, just it's okay. a, Finding the consistency, the like the stability doesn't come until much later in ranks. So like you're going to get some games because there's such a huge disparity in like plat diamond uh, like champ. There's such a multitude of like players that have been kind of gatekept by the system or ones that somehow magically happen to get through that. 
you get some people that legitimately should be in like gold, but then you also get people that should be in, you know, champ two, champ three and pushing forward. So for you, who's in the middle of it is just like, am I going to get little Johnny who can't hit the ball? Or am I going to get this guy who's absolutely cracked on the other team? Like, what am I getting? So I can understand that disparity with the rank being in that area to where it's just like, it's all over the place, especially with a casual MMR as compared to a ranked MMR and stuff. But I don't play competitive. I basically play my 50 matches, get my GC rewards, and then peace out. So Really? Okay. Yeah. So I, I play such a minimal amount now. It's insane. I You are so right about what we get at that rank. So me, Vans, and horrible. 42, always at like Diamond 3. Like Diamond okay. 3, Div 3. Always tiptoeing. They would always tip their toes into Grant into champion. And I would like get there for a, a day and then I would just go right back. And the it obviously got worse once everything went to free to play. The amount of Smurfs increased exponentially. And I had gotten to the point where I was just no longer having fun because I was getting stomped on so often. And I couldn't spend the time to get myself better at the game so that we could progress into the next rank. And and I mean, none of us really, really wanted to at that point anyways. And then uh, tournaments came out and tournaments right. was incredibly frustrating for us because we played, we won one diamond tournament and then we got put into champ tournaments from then on our tournament MMR for all of us, was two to three hundred points higher than our ranked MMR. That should balance itself out the more you play. We we probably played 15, 20 tournaments, and we were just getting Still. stomped on every single time. Um, there would be one off chance where we would get to like round three, and then we would just get decimated, but more so than not, getting knocked out round one, round two almost every other time. And and that was super Super that, deterring. That rank area, man. That rank area is a really tough one. Yeah. I know, I know from a lot of people, like, high diamond is just, like, Champ 2's worse. Champ 2's probably the worst rank to ever be in. Really? Uh, Champ 2's a cesspool, dude. It's horrible. But I know diamond's basically, like, another version of it. Okay. From what, from what I've heard. I got and lucky, that's, man. That's Last what everybody's like, told me. And I, so I've tried not to take it too personally, and I try not to hold psionics accountable for that. I mean, they only yeah. have so much control of how that plays out. Um, but I, I just happened to be in the rank group that got left behind. And, and it, again, it's nobody's fault. And I chose to stop playing the game, so I can't complain. Um, but it, it definitely hurt to walk away from a game that got me through a breakup uh landed me two of my closest best friends um and then eventually like i still love um playing the game every once in a while and if there's ever an event i'm going to be going um but it's definitely fallen out of my 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 play rotation yeah man i um it's not a game i play that much anymore i'm usually too busy talking about it to play it um it's good for a couple five minutes here and there like if i'm just killing time before like production like hey we got a tech rehearsal i'll load up the game play a couple rounds and just wait while you know kind of puts in but I really don't play that much. Um, I usually will play at the beginning of the season. So like tomorrow when the new season drops, I'll play, get my my grand champ rewards, and then I'll stop. Okay. And that's and that's it. And I legitimately play maybe three hours every two weeks. Gotcha. Just, I just don't play that much. And that, that happens to a lot of people. I've just got other interests. I play a shit ton of Among Us. I've been playing a ton of Call of Duty. I've <laughs> been playing uh, Outriders just dropped. That's been a blast. So I just have too many interests. 
end of the day, like I've I've been a gamer my whole life. I've played so many different games. I have too many different interests mm-hmm. between RTS and FPS and MOBAs, and like I can't stick to one game either. And even during Rocket League, when I was grinding, I still played other games. It's just some with you on that one. It's just you got plus, to. I've, you know, I've, I've played how many thousands of hours. It's just after a certain point, you're like, you know what? I just don't have that same feeling. I still love playing in tournaments. I think mm-hmm. like if I sign up as, with a tournament with some buddies, that is still like my favorite times to play at a really high competitive level. Uh, just because it, it's a different game at that point. When you're playing like SSL lobbies and stuff, it's a different game. It's fun. Right. That that to me is the only time that I have fun playing standard rock or just fucking about with Lethmere's crazy maps. That's a good time too. He does have some fucking insane maps. Yeah, um, I have the bladder of an 80 year old. Can you entertain chat for like six? I know you're perfectly capable, um, but give me like 60 seconds. I'll go urinate. I'll be right back. Oh, yeah, man. Chat. How you guys all doing? How's everybody tonight? Some of these emotes have been great. Ooh, is that Among Us hockey emote? What is that? Lindy. Who's Lindy? I do like that emote. Oh, it's Lyndon. Okay. Chad, how you guys all doing? How's everybody's night? What is it? Today's Tuesday? Monday? Tuesday? I don't know the days. How's everybody? How's everybody's night? How's everybody's evening? I will say it's like a billion degrees in here. So like I am dying. It's all dancing. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Just got done cooking steaks. Dude, I, uh, so I just started a new workout routine. I, uh, have now basically cut out all carbs and everything yummy in life. And now I just eat a fuck ton of protein. Like minimum, like 150, 180 grams a day. I work out four out of every five days. That's just, that's all I do now. It's consumed my life. But I miss carbs. I, I'm a big pasta fan and it's, it's just nothing. All right, P-Boy's back. I always wonder, I, I rarely go back and check. But I wonder if there will ever be a guest who just leaves it in silence the entire time. Just like says, no. Nah. I should have just egoed him during <laughs> contest. Um, Fans love you too, baby. Oh, shit. He's, you know what? Um, he's been looking forward to this for so long. And he's got to go. fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> You're that fans. Fuck you, dog. Um, and he's got to work early. So when I, I tagged him today in Discord, I'm like, this podcast is for Vans. He's like, I got to go to fucking work at 5 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, just listen to it at work, man. You'll be fine. Um, on, the, on the subject of Rocket League, what is the, because I'm sure that you get people that only complain to you. What is the the number one complaint that you hear about the game in its current state? Probably still servers, I would say. Like connectivity, stability, kind of? Yeah, like sometimes servers are just dog shit. You like pop into, like I get this a lot too now, where I'll just pop into a server. I'm central. I'll queue a USE server. Usually my ping can any be anywhere from like 30 to 60 is pretty good. Okay. And like there'll be times where it's just like 109, 140, and you're like, wh- why? And it's like consistent. So it's like, yeah, I think uh, free to play obviously increased the player base by like 500%. And yes. uh, servers have gotten, have gotten bombarded. I think Epic's been doing a pretty good job of trying to help level that up. But yeah, servers, I think are probably still the most common. Um, sometimes updates. I'm curious on what the update's going to do tomorrow. For a long yeah. time, anytime Sionix released an update, it'd be like, hey, shit's buggy. Uh, we got to revert patches and this and that and stuff's all messed up. But the past couple have been pretty solid. Um, but my, my steam, cl- I play on steam and it's been, it's been trash. Like I play on SSD and the, and loading up the game takes extra. It freezes anytime I go through menus. Like it's, it's been bad. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you said that because just using 
the joystick or the D-pad to go through menus. It'll you'll just be tapping and then it'll it'll just stop. Like you'll yep. just like, oh, I clicked over three times. Uh I I despise the new UI ever since the Epic switch over. Yeah, I miss the OG UI, man. The OG like day one UI where it was just on the top right. You had all your all your playlists. You could yep. do both extra and otherwise at the same time. You just talk so clean. I also miss seeing my MMR after every match. Uh, those were the days, man. Yeah. Preseason yeah. Rocket League was was hype. <laughs> we started playing, I think I have the established 2016 tag, I believe, okay. is when I first got it. Um, but Pretty I played on. played nowhere near as much then as I did back in like 2017, uh, 2018. Um, what did you think of the football mode? It was something new, which I'm a fan of. Okay. Even though it's still utilizing spikes, they, yeah. basically, they basically manipulated the spikes power up. The concept of it is new. A, a unique scoring system, which has never been done. Uh, boundary limits, which has never been done. Like It's the first time they experimented with stuff since Drop Shot that mm-hmm. wasn't just like, here is an asset that we're reusing. So, even though it wasn't the great... like I personally think that Rocket League as a whole, 3v3, is too small of a map. Like I think standard... It's too small. People have gotten too good. Really? Um, so I think the map needs to be scaled up a little bit. Or, like, I think the map right now for standard scaling-wise is perfect for 2v2. You got plenty of space to work with. You still have to make decisions. Like, you actually have to have thought. In 3v3, it's see ball, hit ball, go fast. You know? Right. Like, it's just, the map's too small. The fact that I can clear the ball off the back wall and have it hit the opposite wall, because people have gotten so good at just hit touches now, mm-hmm. um, is a problem. I would love to have, like, a very powerful hit, unless it's, like, a pinch actually land at like the top of the box at like the 18 so you can have to take a one touch or a bounce and and then actually make a decision do i dribble here do i one time it do i make a cut do i what do i do but that thought just it doesn't happen right now so i think for me just for wanting the game to take that next step in in the actual mental side um i do think the map should go up cookster and i talked about this like years ago like three years ago about scaling the map up like 10 15 percent and just seeing what it would do to like boost locations if they would have to have more and st- and basically scale it accordingly. But um, again, that's stuff that I wish they would beta test. I wish that was something that like, hey, let's invite a bunch of pros out during the quarter. Uh, this is something we've been working on. Let's see what you guys think, and then and then kind of go back with it. But I've never I've never even considered making the the playground larger. Um, just a little bit, not too big, but just a little bit because we put it at fifty percent bigger. Like we did a four before at fifty percent larger, and like you can slam the ball ground pitch across field and you still got to count to like three before it gets there. It's Jeez. Fucking, it's fucking awesome. It's so <laughs> cool. Cause like you like it, just like in regular soccer, if I cross the ball, it takes a little bit to get over there. You trap it, you kind of make a move and then you play down field. The same thing in rocket league though. was really fun. Interesting. I will, I'll yeah. have to give that a shot. Cause that would be, that would it's be a different. totally different game. It's different. Would the um would the ceiling height increase with that scale, or would you keep that the same? We did increase it. Okay. Um, which completely like back then people weren't doing ceiling shots and stuff or or flip resets. Back when we first did this was years ago. Um, but I think you probably keep it low still, just because okay. it's it's such a fun mechanic that I don't, I don't think you'd want to take that out. Plus, trying to go for that shit when you're like legitimately a mile that way, like good <laughs> luck getting it to the goal anyway. It's a, it's going to be a pass, but. Yeah, it's uh, it would be used literally just to beat a defender rather than get a goal. Gotcha. Cool. I uh, so when that football mode first came out, um, me forty two advance my homies we played it mm. for a good couple hours, 
And then the it was either the weekend because it was only around for a week, a week or two. Yeah, it was like a week, week and a half. Okay, so the second time we went and played it, Vans and I played for uh, it was like six or seven hours on stream. Just that mode the entire time. I had so much goddamn fun because nothing made sense. Things that would happen that had no business happening. It was all chaos, and it was new to everybody. Exactly. You you had some you had some meta gaming a little bit later uh, later in the week when <laughs> when people started learning what to do. Um, but I just I remember having so much fun with it. And if they decide to bring that back, I will absolutely pick up the game again and play it a few hours because I I can't remember I've had that much careless fun playing Rocket League. Yeah, that's why I like Lethmere's maps, even though Lethmere is going to style on us and win every single time, which is funny because the in all the years that I did custom maps with Lethmere, the only time he lost was his birthday, <laughs> which, is, which is ironically super hilarious and not planned at all. Um, but yeah, like doing uh, my favorite map that he's made to this day is a standard map with the goals, typical map, but the floor is actually drop shot tiles as well. So you can either win by scoring through drop shot tiles or the goal as well. So you have like two objectives going at the same time. And like just so much fun. And it's so simple of a concept that one guy made. And it's just like if if Psyonix would put a bunch of emphasis. And I think it's just limitations with Unreal Engine 3. But if they would put a bunch of emphasis on custom maps. And being able to host them and play with your buddies easily. This game would explode. It happened for Warcraft. It happened for Gary's mod for Halo Rocket Forge. League, dude. Yeah desperately it's the one thing that all of us want more than anything that game like and just enable the community with an editor and good to go this game would be massive you could have you know even getting into dedicated servers and people that could just host those yep um i would assume and if you can't speak on this i understand i would assume that cyanix doesn't want to release that type of authority to the general public one of cyanix's biggest flaws is they do not like to share they like to keep things very secret and to themselves because then they can control it. Okay. Um, they are 100% a little indie company that could. They happenstance found a gold mine and when they let other people in, that means that they have to share information and even though all of us know collectively like, yes, share with other people, collaborate, make this as big as possible, really go to that next level because no offense, Psyonix, like, Yes, you guys made a stellar game after you know the first one didn't go so well, but you learned from that mistake. And even with this game having server issues right out the gate and a bunch of problems, like it's still super successful. And if you would take the expertise of other people that have been doing it for a long time, and no offense to you guys, you basically contracted vehicle movement, like Gears of War and Unreal Tournament, like that is not a that is not a AAA game developer. You know, mm-hmm. get get the help. And I, that's why I was so excited to see Epic come on. Because even with Epic, you're seeing the collaborations they're bringing in and the marketing stuff and, you know, pairing with F1 and NASCAR and like all these all these partnerships, you know, it's going to really help bring it to that next level. So um, now it just needs to apply to in-game stuff more than just cosmetics. So Yeah, and the... At first, I didn't agree with how the cosmetics were uh, were changing, even though... I get more of the shit that I want now, but it's because I'm I'm spending more money. Right. It, at least you're getting what you want, right? It, exactly. Exactly. Like I can actually kit out my car the way that I want it to instead of grinding. Cause again, the, this term grinding, but when it comes to being an adult and have other responsibilities, you just don't have the time to put into the game. 
um, right. which is a whole nother conversation. But having that, having Epic start to tie in those little marketing doodads and, and really start to breathe. I don't want to say that they breathe new life into Rocket League because Rocket League was still booming at that time. But like you said, there was like a four to five hundred percent increase in player base, like to load up Rocket League and see five hundred thousand people in game right now. Like that was that was an insane number when, when I. At the end of when I was really playing Rocket League seriously, I remember seeing like 70,000, like 80,000, maybe 90,000 over, over the weekend. Um, but d- despite controversial opinions about Epic and Tencent, you know, the, it really brought some insane traffic to Rocket League. You know, so a lot of the changes have been good. And it, it's interesting to see that even all of these years later, six years later, when was the official release? Was it 2014? July, I think it was July 7th, 2015. Okay, 2015. So six years later, still on Rocket League Uno, and they've been able to manage the community, bring new uh, bring new aspects into the game, uh, change up cosmetics, and, and, and do a lot of upgrades along the way. And they've still retained like a massive, massive player base. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very unique game. It's the only game of its kind, and and rightfully so. You know, it's a very addictive, and you either love it or hate it. For most people, yeah. you know, they sit down, they play, and they're like, "This is I can see linear progression. It's super accessible. This is super fun," and and people get hooked. And I don't think that's going to change. I just wish there was more variety. And them bringing back the Rocket Labs playlist and stuff, I think, is a step in the right direction. But again, a couple a couple maps here, or there, it goes a long way. So. I do hope they continue trend. What what they've been doing lately, and I'm probably their harshest critic compared to everybody. Um, I think they've been doing a pretty damn good job, especially the esports team. There's only five of them over there. With what they've got, they've been doing a really good job. Five? Five. I know Minecraft YouTubers that run servers with 200 employees. Wait. <laughs> 200 employees for one server? Yeah. I mean, it's a big server and it makes a fuck ton of money, but like, Yeah. I know I, Minecraft server YouTubers that, that employ that many people have that many employees. But the esports team for Psionics, one of the biggest esports in the world, is five. What the fuck? Ian, it's Ian, Murdy, Skyler. Uh, they're going to be so mad if I forget it. So many. Corey and, uh, and Jake. Wow. How big is the um, Psionics? By, by the way, do you have any contractual obligation to Psionics whatsoever? Okay, so so you can you can just the, talk shit if I you have, want. I yeah, uh, I've the only the only thing that like held us back from talking shit was like, we can fire you if you do. Right. And you could you could fire me at any time anyway. So you just kept your mouth shut so you didn't get fired. Right. Turns out I got fired anyway. So. Like, <laughs> 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 but you know. So that's yeah. how you got your reputation on Reddit. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. No, no. Um. Yeah, they. Uh, I think employee wise, I think they're like in the hundred twenty range. Oh, okay. So over a hundred people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They started pretty small. Like they started with like sixteen, something like that, and then scaled it up to like eighty, and then they took another big jump recently. And then obviously they've got Epic, Epic helping too now. So did did their in-house staff increase with Epic, or is Epic just kind of like helping from afar? I don't know. I honestly okay. don't know. I do. I do know they've been hiring like designers and stuff like crazy from from their careers page and stuff. I don't know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. When I started playing Rocket League at the kind of like the mid of last year, I don't know if this is because I was streaming it for so long and my my video settings were dumbed down. The one of the first times that I picked the game back up and I turned my settings to 1440p, 144 hertz, and like max out everything, 
The game is fucking gorgeous now. It's been like that since its release. I don't know it's why. Always, it has always been like that. <laughs> I don't know it's if it's because I like I turned down all the graphic settings for streaming or if I was just like 1080p before. But when you crank everything, that game is fucking gorgeous. And I'm not even it on is. an ultra wide. It is. It's a very pretty game. And it, and think about it being on an older engine, too. We're on Unreal Engine 5 now. We're, this game's on 3. It's, again. That's it's a good a, point. It's a, it's a good looking game. It really is. I, I totally, I had totally forgotten about that. And that was, um, has it always been on three? Did it ever, okay, I for some reason thought that it had transferred engines at one point. I wish. <laughs> There's so many things that you can, like, I don't know if you know anything about UPKs or any of that kind of stuff. Mm. But, like, the ability to just have pre-built things like dedicated server support and just being able to take a pre-built package and attach it to your game and just done. It works. They got to program all that shit by hand and everything because it's just that technology wasn't a thing that was easily accessible back then. Right. It wasn't a thing that just was super intuitive. People didn't come in with the automatic mentality of, I want to host service so I can do these things. And, it, you know, it's just, it's the same thing with like building apps now. Half, half the time building an app is just compiling a bunch of different pre built shit and putting it together. Like, think about how easy it is to build a website now with like Squarespace. Oh, it's brainless. Yeah. You literally just. Plug and play, you're good to go. It's the same thing with, you can do that same thing with like building apps and you can do that with programming and uh, obviously you have to fine tune it and tailor it to the stuff that you want for the specifics, but yeah, it's it's crazy what you can do with new engines nowadays and it, it's so less CPU intensive and it's way more efficient. Yeah, if, and, if they ever make a Rocket League 2, it's going to be because of an engine update. Oh, interesting. So you think that would be the main factor in yeah. in transitioning over to a new game? Yeah, I think, I think limitations with Unreal Engine 3. I think that'll be it. And I've never thought about that either. Um, Man, I've thought about everything about this game. It's a problem. <laughs> I was going to say, you got a lot of insight. But one of the exact reasons that I wanted to talk to you, because like there's after playing the game for so long, the privilege of being able to sit down with someone like you and just like Thank hear you. your story, hear everything that you've um, like all the things that you've gathered um, it, it's honestly an extremely lucky place to be in. Um, so again, I thank you for taking time out of your day to be here and, and talk about this kind of stuff, because just hearing the back end stuff, like to hear the data, the statistics, the stuff that goes on behind closed doors is like, is so interesting to me. And just to hear somebody else talk about their experience in that, in that realm is just so intriguing. Yeah, man. I, uh, again, thanks for even having me on and stuff like that, even though it took us two years, but that's the point. Um, <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I agree. I was in a very privileged situation, and I, you know, I could have, after being let go, could have bashed them and this and that, but, like, I am appreciative of the opportunity that I got. They didn't have to take a chance. They didn't have to do this and that. And whether we agree on stuff or otherwise, like, I'm still pretty good buddies with a lot of the developers, and, I mean, people think that I'm super jaded against Psyonix, and I hate them because of the... I literally talk to their staff on a regular basis because I have to. Like, I'm starting a TV show about Rocket League. You think we got to talk to the developers about that for fair use policies? Like, yes, I literally talked to one of the esports staff before I came on the show. And it's like, no, you hate Psyonix. You're jaded against them. Everything you, you're just out to. It's like, can't wait. Critical, man. I'm critical. Yeah. I'm supposed to be critical. I think if I think you fucked up, I'm going to tell you you fucked up because you did. And if someone else won't say it, I will because no one else is. You know, like just people take that as like you hate them. It's like, not nah, man, they pay my bills. Yeah. I definitely don't hate them. Yeah. Like, Going yeah, back just, to um constructive criticism, mm-hmm. where does your inner 
constructive criticism circle lie? Is it with family members, with a brother, uh, friends? Is it within the casting community? Where do you go for your most valuable uh, constructive criticism? Um, I don't think anybody will be a harsher critic than yourself. I am very, very tough on myself. You can ask any other commentator. All of them are their harshest critics, but I'm very lucky that in my career, I've been able to work with some of the best talent in the world. I've been able to work alongside people like Golden Boy and everything else. I'm also represented by an agency that has some of the best talent in the world. Oh, between Counter-Strike and otherwise, like I work with some of the best AAA talent in the world for esports. So I have people that I trust very much so and get feedback from them and um, those are the kind of people that I rely on the most is people that I know certified are some of the best talent to ever do it. And I'm very lucky to have that. Interesting. I also reach out to production companies I've worked for. Um, I rely a lot of the people at E-League. Uh, my contacts over there, the Winters, Ben and Ben and not Ben and uh, all the people over there that are absolutely fantastic. Like those are the people's opinions I respect the most. You work on television. What do you see that is so good for national public? Right. What things do you like or don't like? What things do you wish I did more or less? And it's like, that's the feedback I care about. I don't give a shit about Reddit. I don't give about some random. I don't care about Twitch chat. I care about the people that hire me for my job and the people I work with. That is who I care about because those are the people that I need to appeal to. So. Is it easy for you to go out and and fetch that criticism? Does that come natural to you? Yeah, I I've always I've always strived to be the best at what I can do. And I think that's just a natural step. I, I think it is important to get different perspectives on things. Uh, a lot of people like to tunnel vision, especially in this career field. And in, and in most, you kind of get caught up in your own bubble. So right. um, I, I do find it very important to get outside perspectives, especially since I started casting other games and stuff. You know, casting a battle, like I cast Apex Legends on Saturday and Sunday. A little bit different than Rocket League. And a little bit. After, <laughs> after doing that, it's just like, okay, the approach to this is entirely different. The cadence, the way that I approach situations. That gives you a different perspective. So why not reach out to guys that have done Halo and Gears of War and mobiles and, you know, like, it's good to get that perspective. I, I work a lot with a guy who does StarCraft. A little bit different. You know, it's a little bit more meticulous in the way that APMs and stuff like that. It's a build-up and same thing with BRs. So, like, trying to talk and get perspective with those guys that have been doing it for 15 years, you know, since the, the really early beginnings of esports is invaluable. You know, it's it's what allows you. You know, I've I've been lucky that in my career, you know, some of the AAA talent have been like, yeah, you know, Lawler's one of the best analysts. Period. Doesn't matter about Rocket League. He can go to any game and and crush it. He's p- part of the goaded tier, and it's like, bruh, no, Not even, <laughs> no, just no. You're wrong. Like, I respect your opinion, but you're wrong on this one. You're just like, you're just gassing me up. But yeah, it's it's stuff like that that I'll, I think that comes with the territory. Is it's that mutual respect for the craft. And understanding that you can always get better, no matter what. Like you will never have an extensive vocabulary that's good enough. Right. Uh, is never, that... Go ahead. You'll never hit that call perfectly. You can always get that call perfect. You can do it better. Did you feel like you had to expand your vocabulary when you when you first got into casting? Um, my lexicon is pretty decent, but um, yeah, you can always do better. I, I mean, on. One of the first things I started doing when I when I picked up casting was reading more. Oh, okay. a lot more reading, just because you know sometimes there's words that you see in there like contextually you can put it together, but you have no idea what it is. So it's like you write those down while you're reading on the plane, and then you look them up when you when you land, you know, in the Uber on the way to the airport or on the way to the hotel or whatever, you know. 
Um, one thing I had to learn was uh, how fast I talk. Being from the Midwest, we just rifle through words. And it all just kind of slows together. So knowing when to slow down and articulate a little bit more is something that I had to do. But when we first started casting, the whole rap god thing was just natural. Right. Just like, <laughs> you have so much that. information up top that you're seeing. Go. Rifle it all off as quickly as possible. Me and Wave Punk just took turns. <laughs> Anytime I had to breathe, he would go. And like, that's just kind of how it was. But you start to learn about how to be a little bit more punchy and have the right cadence and articulate that moment a little bit better and provide story and uh, that stuff is always about mastering the craft and, and getting better and better at it and having outside perspectives really helps with that. So yeah, man, I've, uh, I've been very lucky to not only do what I do, uh, but how I got in the people I've surrounded myself with the opportunities I've gotten, the fact that I'm still able to work in esports is, you know, you want to talk about how, how cutthroat it is. I mean, think about being a pro player. You're the top 0.0001%. And you're also now the voice of something like that. There's a lot of people that can talk. Interest. You, so you're saying it is cutthroat. Oh, it's it's brutal. Mm. There's there's someone who can always probably do it better, or who's working harder, or is more natural at it, or will take a cheaper pay. Like that too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we don't care if the broadcast suffers. This guy's gonna do it for ten dollars an hour. You know, it's like, <laughs> good luck with that. If you think that's worth it, you do that. You know. What is it like? So when you go into a new casting studio, do you find that your previous relationship with another caster has an impact on the type of cast you have? Like, is it the better friend you have, the better cast you have, or is that not really, is that not necessarily mutually exclusive? Are you talking like if I work with another commentator I've already worked with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Chemistry okay. is everything. Okay. On, on camera chemistry is the same as off camera chemistry. I know, like, in particular, when Wavepunk and uh, Final Carpet were a duo, they purposely started a podcast together just to learn more about each other. So when you need to fill or when you need to bounce off of each other, the more things you have in common. That's why me and Leaf were one of the duos, because he and I are just two peas in a pod, you know? I, I think he's a fucking idiot at times, but I love him to death, you know? That's my boy. <laughs> well, and if you can't shit in the other dude's mouth, then what kind exactly. of friend are you? Exactly. So, like, people understood that we have that natural rapport that just it, it came it, it came without having to put any effort into it it's just like yeah this guy this guy and i get along you know One so of, yeah it does it makes a huge difference especially when you work with people you've already worked with yeah you already know their tendencies and when they're going to pass off when they're going to drop off yeah it stuff matters a lot one of the one of my top favorite um commentating moments was when dr lupo and courage were commentating uh some Fortnite event and uh, Courage made some joke like, man, these guys have just learned so much from watching me play. And Dr. Lupo says, yeah, they've learned a lot as far as eating burritos goes. But anyways, we're going to move over to the, the, the other desk. Yeah. And you just see Courage just fucking smack the desk. And that is the shit that, that I live for uh, when it comes yeah. to casting. Because I definitely think that those relationships um, shine through. And I think that is what uh, can make or break um, a cast. And it. It, it's yeah. reassuring to hear you to hear you kind of reaffirm that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also depending on what the intent is behind it, right? There are some casters that will put you down maliciously or try to flex their own muscles about what they know because it wants to paint them in a better light. Yeah, and having the understanding of your job is to make your co-commentator look. It's like a relationship, you know. If if my job in a relationship is to make sure that person is happy, and their job is to make me happy, it's a good relationship. It's gonna mm -hmm. be healthy. 
The same thing applies to casting. My job is to set you up and make you look as good as possible because the better you look, that means I'm doing my job damn well. So that is part of it as well. And that comes with a rapport. So the reason why that joke landed so well is because it's not an attack at him or his knowledge or what he's presenting is attack on his character. And it's a playful. It's like, right. Yeah, man, you're a big streamer. You're a little bit bigger. It is what it is. Like we, we take shots at each other all the time, but it depends on if you're trying to do it to, it, it, it really depends on the delivery. The delivery is so important when you're doing stuff like that. For the most part, it's easier to be nicer. It's always easier to gas somebody up yep. than it is to take a crack at them. And that depends on who they're with. Lupo and Courage, obviously they play a lot together. Right. How common is the negative side of those relationships? Like when, when you come across somebody who maybe just don't necessarily vibe with or they're very good at flexing their knowledge muscle and making sure it's known that they know what they're talking about. Is that common in the industry? I've only I only know of a, a select few casters that I really don't like. Okay. Um, and I've been lucky that I haven't had to work with them. Um, but in my five, six-ish years, I don't think I've ever had to deal with that. Like, there's been times where it's like, within the RLCS, all the guys are competing and, and trying to be the best of the best and, you know, trying to improve. And we got a little bit of competitive, but that had to do with outside circumstances that brought that upon. Okay. And then, when we, and then when we realized it, we were all like, "Fuck, we're being we're being childish." Like this is a show we're trying to put on the best show. We all have strengths. This is why this is happening. Um, that was an internal issue that caused that that we gotcha. don't need to get into. But um, everybody was doing it just because of the the situation that was created. So yeah. Um, but in particular, like. All the RLCS guys are brothers. Like I love all of them to death. I saw them more than I saw my own family and friends and everybody else. So I heard I heard you mention that on uh, another podcast. It was one yep. that was Potty Potty C, I believe Potty was C. the yeah, yep yeah. Um, yeah, the subpar boys. Yep yep yep. That, so that was um, in regards to people treating each other a certain way. I am somebody who grew up with friends that being mean was funny. Like that, that was oh, the yeah. type of comedy going oh, back crack, and forth. We crack jokes on each other all the time. Let you know, Gibbs is probably the most brutal person you'll ever meet. No, you stop. May, you may not think it, but but Gibbs cracks some that I'm just like, whoo, that was a little <laughs> close, man. Like, yeah, it's it's funny. Like the guys are, Leaf is the punching bag. Um, Always has been, always will be. He's just an easy target. Um, Yeah, man, like everybody cracks jokes. James raps the most ridiculous shit all the time. <laughs> and like, it's it's a it's a fun bunch of dudes, man. The uh, the crew over there is they pick some good ones. I find it hard to to kind of slide back into that comedy because sometimes I feel like when I make those jokes um, regularly, the line kind of disappears, and I'm afraid of going too far because I've I've gone too far in the past. Right. Um, with that said, Vans broke his foot at work a couple months ago, and every time I can get a chance, I'm like, he'll be like, hey, I got to go get a drink. I'm like, all right, uh, y'all see you in 15 minutes, or like make a joke about him having a wheel out of the room or something. Right. Um, uh, but even then, I'm like, man, I should probably I should probably cut that down a little bit. See, it, the fact that you have that thought means you're okay. Okay. Right? Uh, like the fact that you even are considering like, oh, I should probably... Like it's the same thing. Like I'll I'll talk shit and whatever, but then every once in a while I catch myself and be like, you know, today I'm gonna go overly nice. I'm gonna be really nice today, just in case. Like I don't want to make sure that like I'm gonna go out of my way. I'm gonna do all that stuff. As long as I think you have those thoughts and you're doing that kind of stuff, I think 
I think okay. you're doing all right. But again, everybody's different. Right. You're not attacking his character. You're just attacking his shit foot. You know, like <laughs> it's like I, I mean, I'm in the same boat, man. Like, That's right. You fucking. <laughs> yeah. So again, dude, like I think I think it's tongue in cheek. You got to be a little bit careful with it. Obviously, if you're pushing it too far, but yeah, man, I I think uh, anybody who can riff like that, it's it's an open communication thing. You know, yep. if, if anybody goes too far, you don't got to be afraid to speak up and. You know, as long as your friends hopefully feel comfortable with being able to speak up in those moments, um, I think that's all that matters. So, yeah, every every relationship's a little bit different, man. Do you have do you get strict guidelines from production as far as how far you can take that kind of stuff at the desk? So, I've actually been very lucky. Uh, RLCS, obviously, we had some pretty big restrictions. E for everyone, like there was definitely some things that we had to be wary of. But since I've been a part of RLCS, uh. Every production I've done since then, I always ask, you know, what's the direction? Kind of like what I did with you, you know, what's the vibe? Like, where are we? Like, what's the limit? Every production I've asked since leaving RLCS is, we trust you. We hired you for a reason. Do your thing. Wow. Complete freedom. And, like, I just now have to make the mental note of, like, what am I presenting? What's the age group? What's the demographic? How do I want to take this? Like, I'm not dropping F-bombs here and there. It's unprofessional. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, cracking jokes, having fun with it, uh, riffing with a co-commentator. like being okay with making mistakes and stuff and just yeah yeah i've gotten complete freedom in everything i've done lately it's been it's been a fun change of pace to just go into a production and be like hey what do you guys want what's the they're like do your thing man we trust you Don't that's cast gotta a feel way. great it's it's awesome to be treated like a professional it's it's really fun to have that faith in you as a commentator like you're paying me an exorbitant amount of money to do this job and you won't even let me do it the way I want to. Yeah. yeah. And through through talking with you, I would argue that commentating is a bit of an art. Like from all it of the, the different aspects that you've kind of brought up and all of the, the different things that you have to be conscious of, there is a, there is some art in there and maybe a little bit of science oh, yeah. too. It, it, it's, that's incredible. I mean, to, to kind of put it into as easy of layman terms as possible, usually there's two commentators, sometimes more depending on the broadcast. You have a play-by-play and a color commentator. Play-by-play is to build atmosphere. He's there to hype up the moments. He's there to make your ears perk up when the big moment happens. He's there to basically fill the dead noise. And sometimes white noise is really important. And good commentators know when that is. To leave a gap, to leave a pause, that dramatic, where the music comes in and the gameplay shines for itself, right? That's all feeling. There is no step-by-step templated guide on how to do commentary. I wish there was, because then everybody could do it and be super easy. Right. Color commentators there for your anecdotal, your insight, your, hey, I'm the big brain. This is why this stuff happened. This is where it is. This is the theory crafting. This is, hey, these teams need to make this decision, this decision, or this decision. They need to rotate here or switch their positioning. Otherwise, they're going to get attacked by these sides. The zone's closing in. These are the things that they're thinking about. Let me get into the brain of these players and tell you what they're going through so you can feel like you're a part of it. The other side of commentary is conversational, which is my go-to. I think both commentators, whether they're at a high level, can interchange between both. I can do play-by-play in color, so can my other commentator. So it's a natural flow, and that's where it gets into that chemistry and that uh, that painting a picture, per se, where it's like, we are here to just make sure that you are fully engrossed in this. We're the music of the movie. We're here to give you and invoke that emotion. We're here to tell you what you should be paying attention to, when you need to perk up, when you need to pay attention, why this moment is so fucking awesome that is your job as a commentator and it's it's um it's a very fun feeling when you make that call and just everybody goes nuts you see chat spam they're a part of it 
and everybody's just like, man, I I will remember that moment for the rest of my life. Case in point, this is Rocket League. Yeah. It's it's a shit fucking call. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. Is it is it shit? <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Imagine any other game like Halo and you see some guy pop off a 4K and clutch a like a flag and they yell, This is Halo. That's fucking terrible. It doesn't it's, sound as good. <laughs> but but it's genuine. It describes the moment. Everything we were feeling is just like, yep, this this is fucking Rocket League. Of course. Yeah. Of course it comes down to the last second. It's kept up in the air and the goal goes in. It's a game seven overtime bracket reset. We go to OT. Of course. Like it can't get better than this. Yeah. This is Rocket League. And that's why that call will always go down in history as one of the greatest, if not the greatest moment in Rocket League. The what call is afterwards is the best call though. And nobody knows it. What is it? So this is overtime or this is Rocket League. Everybody goes crazy, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's nuts. Everybody's shit in their pants. We're all jumping like a bunch of schoolgirls going crazy. We go into overtime. Shogun says to bring it back. Uh, my voice is gone, but my spirit is high. We have overtime. Wow. Fucking chills. That call <laughs> is goaded. That call is God tier. I don't think it, I've ever heard it. Nobody knows. And I'm like, but that's the thing as a commentator, right? Like I hear that stuff because like, I can't watch football anymore. Cause all the commentators fucking suck. Like, <laughs> NFL commentators fucking blow. There's a couple good ones, but man, like Chris Collinsworth and stuff is pretty good. Uh, Al Michaels and like some of the OGs, but like, fuck, there's some really bad commentators in the NFL. <laughs> and like, every time I hear it, I'm just like, gotta God go. Damn it. Like I can't, but yeah, man, there's uh there's some things like that that you pick apart because you know, you're, it's your craft. You know, same thing with you watching IT stuff. You know, I'm sure if you go into an area with like computer tech and, and stuff like that, you you start our, you know, dude, I go into people's homes in. like yeah. and I'm just scanning like what the fuck yep. you got up in here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same thing. I'm a, I'm a huge computer enthusiast and stuff. And the first thing is like, oh, shit, you get OK, you got a triple wide setup. What are you what are you throwing in there? You know, like, let's you know, that's how hobbyists are, man. They, yep. uh, they're invested in it. And it's stuff that you just innately do without even thinking about it. So, yeah, man, it's a. Uh, commentary as a whole is 1000% like painting a picture man it's delicate but also intentional yeah a lot of it is just it's feeling there is no template there is no specific way or right way to do it you just got to feel it and that comes with experience you're lighting up right now so i mean i can it's so apparent that it is a passion that is deep deep inside you um, one of the, one of the final questions that I want to get from you or get you to answer, and it kind of ties back in, you were talking earlier about just, uh, craft. And then you mentioned, um, wave punk and carpet having the podcast together, right? Having, um, having the podcast, it started out. I just wanted a, a dedicated set time to be able to hang out with my friends, talk about video games, talk about Twitch and just do that every other week. And then as time went on and, and the format of the podcast changed and all the guests changed or all the guest hosts changed, I started to realize that there was so much more value to be had, not only on like the the obvious Twitch networking, making friends side of podcasting, but learning how to listen and learning how to have have a conversation like I learned the difference between talking to somebody and having a conversation with somebody. And one of the greatest skills that I believe that I've built for myself is being able to sit here with five bullet points, but have a conversation for one and a half to two hours. It's 
it's one of the most valuable parts of being a human being. It's one of the most gratifying and rewarding parts of, of being somebody in this space who is fortunate enough to talk to people that have, you know, uh, jobs in different industries. Like it's, it's all so beneficial. And then to hear you say like, Oh yeah, these two dudes, they started a podcast because like they, they saw the value of what talking to somebody like that could do. And then they just like implement it into, into their everyday life with their job. Yeah. It's, um, one of the best lessons that I think you can learn is people need to learn to talk with the intent to listen, not with the intent to talk. It's something that you learn very early on. And, and for a lot of people, they don't understand what that means. But there's a lot of times when you just passively listen to the conversation. You never give it your undivided. There's so many things, bells, whistles. I got three monitors, a bunch of stuff going on. I got my phone. Like, But actually owning in and, and listening to the person talking and, and actually understanding what they're saying, listening and reacting in its truest form is something that a lot of people just don't do. And it's so important. Obviously, with casting, you know, you get a little bit better at that because you have to be able to listen to what they're saying so you can react accordingly. But a lot of times you're in your own head. The same thing with you're thinking about what's the next question? What is this? What is that? But when you just genuinely take interest in what the person's saying, you can have that conversation and it just flows naturally. It's something that good good people that do at hosting is letting it breathe. Yep. I, I'm giving you the room to talk so we can listen to what you have to say because it holds importance. It's something that like when I do my own stuff, I do uh, I do rocket talk, right? And one of the biggest comments I get is you do a really good job of enabling space for your for your guest, allowing them to talk and explain how they feel. And yes, it may feel like there's an awkward pause or something, but you don't shy away from it. You're not afraid to let there be a little bit of breathing room just to make sure that they know if they want to say more, they can. And that's mm-hmm. the whole reason, like you're doing now. You're nodding, you're, you know, you're making motions of like, yes, I'm listening to what you're saying. I agree with what's happening, but I'm still allowing you to articulate and ramble and go on and on as I'm doing now with my hands so you can hear me continue to... <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just to give that space and that freedom to say like what you want to say. Don't feel rushed. Don't feel pressured. Talk your shit, you know, do your thing. And I'll be here to, I'll be here to pay attention and react when that's done which I literally just told you guys what conversation is without saying that we're having a conversation. But that's that's the whole point, right? Yeah. It's the ability to articulate and say different things different ways. Um, but yeah, listening with the intent to listen, not to respond, is is a really big deal. And a lot of people really suck at it. Yeah, <laughs> I was one of those people. That was one of the hardest uh, tactics that I had to grasp was leaving the 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 dead air just leave it out there for a couple seconds and even if you're thinking about planning to say something leave it up there so that somebody else can fill that void because when when you're talking you're thinking about what you're saying and sometimes you don't have any breathing room to to articulate the next thought and having that having that space where you can take a breath um, there, I remember when like Elon Musk first started doing a lot of uh, interviews and stuff, everybody kept making note of how long he took to answer questions where somebody would ask him a question and he would sit there and he would look around and you would see maybe his, his mouth open and then close a couple times. Sometimes it was five to seven seconds for an answer. And, and that and feels like eternity too. It, it fucking does. And I don't know if it feels like an eternity to him but for the people waiting for the answer it's like okay dude like come on but it made me i don't want to say it made me self-conscious but it made me think like how long do you think before you talk and 
I don't think there's a lot of time in between my thought and my talk. And it was something that I'd like, I'm going to try and, you know, actively work on this. And it, it doesn't work as good. I'm not as good at it in this situation, being live, pressure, chat, guest. Um, but I've been able to implement that into work a little bit more because it's a little bit more relaxed of an environment. And if there's a couple seconds of nobody saying anything, it's not like, okay, like what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Um, so that, that's been something I've been trying to work on recently. Yeah, I, I think that pause also, it allows people to process the moment. That that little bit of a break is just like, okay, we're making a hard cut here. That's that's the end of the statement. That is a cap on it. Let's go to the next thing. And the other thing too, as a host, is like you have the ability to transition out of that if you want to, or you can keep going with it. Like it gives you a lot of freedom. And for someone like Elon Musk, where everybody, you know, is is listening to his every single word and grasping onto it, and it's just like everything he says is gonna be taken out of context and stuff. For a person like that that has such a massive platform, yeah, you may need an extra couple seconds to be like, how do I want to say this? You ask me these things, let me kind of get them in here and and okay, I understand that. Okay, yep, let's some inspiration over here and there. Okay, let me let me actually now say what I want to say and make sure when it does come out, it's impactful. Mm-hmm. Now, how do how do I say the thing I want to say and make it have the most meaning, the most girth to it, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah. Better but, <laughs> but on the show, I think it's the perfect uh, perfect adjective. So yeah, it's um I think it's a uh, an interesting way that uh, conversation itself, like when I find somebody like you know, single as fuck trying to find a, trying to find a, a lady friend. The number one thing that makes it so easy is conversation. You can tell so quickly when someone doesn't suck at conversation, this, Hey, what's up? How are you? How's your day? No, give me some concept. Give me some, give me some depth to our conversation, please. Because if you do, this is easy. This is a walk in the park. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was something that I didn't think that I had the capability of getting better at. Like I thought that having a conversation or um, the ability to transcend a conversation for an audience was like a natural talent that I just could not obtain. And then I realized like, oh wait, this is actually something that you can you can build with practice. This is something that you can learn. Uh, that was a that was a huge revelation for me. I, I I could not even comprehend that before I got started. And then when I, you know, I used to have two pages in Google Docs filled with with topics and questions to ask and things to ask chat uh, back when I first started my podcast. And and now it's it's like a single page thing. We put a couple bullet points um, and it, it's crazy to see that amount of growth in myself. And when you were talking about being hard on yourself earlier and, and realizing that, like, no, if I actually put my mind to this, I can do it. One of the mantras that I've been repeating to myself over and over is you are not your thoughts. So when you were referencing the, the imposter syndrome, you know, the the inability to think that you you were chosen for this, even though you were chosen to still like negate that feeling um, yeah. is is has been absolutely huge for me. And I rem- I'll never forget the first time that I heard that you are not your thoughts and to actually apply that to myself and like the things that I'm thinking right now just aren't. Even if I think they are, they aren't. And that's something that I've been kind of carrying with me for a couple of years. And it's done a it's done a lot of good. Yeah, I think we we get caught up in our heads so much more than we need to. I think especially now with being stuck at home in the pandemic, like mm-hmm. we're we're alone with our thoughts quite a bit. And uh that's definitely taken a toll on a lot of people. I think people are really excited to see what happens to this world. I actually was in a meeting earlier today with um an esports alliance in in the area where I live, trying to kind of grow esports in our area. And it's the same thing. It's just being able to 
see where normalcy goes after after things back, open back up fully. Are we going to see businesses stop doing the 40-hour work week? We have to be in a cubicle nine to five every single day because mm-hmm. they understand the cost that comes with that and how much more productive people have been at home. Like, how is the standard going to change post-COVID is something that I'm really interested to see, not only for our industry, but for everybody else. I think it'll make people happier. I think being able to get out of things, I hope people become more appreciative, even though I think a lot of people are going to kind of just fall back into the norm and it's going to be same shit as always. Um, I do think there is a lot of people out there that are going to become very appreciative of what life was like. And hopefully we learn and grow from it because there's a lot of things that have been beneficial because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And as, as rough as that is to say, there's a lot of uh, unfortunate circumstances that have turned positive because of a, a global pandemic that um, I hope we do take some positive away from and, and build upon. Because if we go back to the way it was, it's just more shit. Environment's going to keep dying. Like it's just, you go and look at LA now, now that flights have been less and travel has been less and stuff. And you just immediately see the positive impact. There's not a giant layer of smog over all of LA. It's just like, duh, like let's fucking do better. Can we please, can we, find ways to actually like have a planet to live on because right now it's like do you want to have kids fuck no i don't want to put them in this world like mm-hmm. they may not see till the end of it like yeah it's just yeah there's a there's a lot of interesting things seeing the way that that just stuff in general has changed and a lot of it i think is just people's mentalities being stuck at home and and being stuck away um is something like i don't know if you follow like buddhism or anything like that or know any like information but like monks mm-hmm. in general are literally taught to spend time with their own thoughts like they don't do shit all day it's just them and their thoughts and become comfortable with that because imagine imagine you are stuck in an area and all you can do is think you don't get to interact you don't get Uh. to play you don't get to that's it all the time you 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 have to find a way to make peace yeah oh yeah so yeah it's a it's an interesting concept obviously being at home stuck in the pandemic is nothing like being a Buddhist monk, but right. <laughs> yeah, the, con- the, con- the concept of like your mentality and what people are going through. And, you know, we have a lot of tools to distract us from real problems. So this, this is true. Um, I will not go back to eating Buffalo wings in between lanes at the bowling alley. That's probably something that I will it's a good idea. never good do idea. again. Uh, I will probably always have hand sanitizer in my car and at my desk. Um, I probably will continue wearing a mask to grocery stores, um, going, I don't, I'm not, if I'm going to like a graduation party or something, I probably won't mask up, but the general highly populated areas, planes and yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, anytime I go to conventions, like I don't, I don't shake hands at conventions. I haven't for years. Really? I'll, I'll at most fist bump, but usually it's an elbow. Okay. I mean, uh, the last PAX I went to, so I went to PAX East in, 29 no 2020 actually the very the very beginning of 2020 we went in uh like the end of february as the last time that i went to a convention and like did work and like there's still even with you know multiple companies shutting down and not going and canceling their booths foot traffic was still like 120,000 people holy shit i didn't realize it was still that packed that's a lot of people that's a lot of hands that's a lot of germs that's a lot of whatever so it's like shaking hands is the number one thing that i can just remove myself from Right. Yo, I'll fist bump you. I'll, you know, I'll touch elbows. I'll, you know, I'll do something that isn't that direct interaction. You know, even with photos and stuff, it's like you got to be a little bit careful because with that many people and everything that's going around, it's like there's a reason why people get sick after conventions. So there's true. There's a big reason. And ways to limit that is super important. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, um, always hand sanitizer. Always, yeah, got to be careful. It's I I definitely agree with you that there was going to be a lot of benefits to the way that we do certain things, especially when it just comes to cleanliness. Uh, I think that there are going to be restrictions that are put into place now that will like they'll just continue. It's not going to be like, oh, we're we're just all going to be mindful of how clean we're not. It's like, no, these are now new restrictions that are in place that are they're just going to help us be cleaner people just moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you look at other cultures like um, like in Japan, you can't eat on the go. Can't eat in subways. Can't even. Can't eat in trains. Can't eat in public. That's like if right. If I go and buy, if I go and buy food at a stand in Japan, I cannot eat that until I am either in a restaurant, public establishment, or I am in my own home. I cannot walk and eat on the go. You can, but everybody's just like uh, gaijin, which is basically outsider or foreigner, is pretty much like the word with it. But it's just like it's frowned upon yeah. because their roads are impeccable. They're clean. They the are, time. yeah. And there's a reason why. They take care of their stuff. Stealing isn't a concept there. I can go and take my wallet and set it on a park bench in the middle of Japan, and it'll be there five days later. Think it's so? Just, it's not a concept. Stealing is not a thing. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that. It's crazy. It's a different culture, man. It's definitely a different one culture. Of, definitely a place I would love, love, love Same. to oh, visit I wanna, one I wanna day. Go tourist, I want to go touristy the shit out of Japan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go see, go see the cherry blossoms and the mountains and like, yeah, take me hot springs, you name it. I'm, I'm down. down. Um, well, my dude, I have uh, I've stolen two hours of your time already today. And while I could definitely talk with you for another two hours, um, I want to be mindful of your time. I would love for you to talk about anything that you have coming up. Um, I'll throw a command out in chat that'll post your socials. But please sell out as hard as you want. Yeah, if you guys want to hit me up on any social media, uh, you can follow me on all socials at Knackers, three A's, N-A-A-A-C-K-E-R-S. Make sure you guys go love and support those. I work really hard to put on this podcast, so if you could go support that, that'd be greatly appreciated. Um, actually, for Lawler, though, uh, I kind of talked briefly about it. I'm going to be hosting a TV show. Um, crazy news. I can't give any of the specifics just because of NDA stuff and legal, and uh, the announcements will hopefully be coming sooner than later, but um, I am hosting a TV show on national television. It's, it's still fucking weird to say. It's a crazy thing. Uh, it was actually a project that I was working towards with ESPN and trying to anchor one of their shows, and then they shut down that whole department. So the fact that it has still come to be in its own various ways um, is, is pretty crazy. So, yeah, Rocket League show coming on national television. We're finally getting some coverage on the, uh, the good old analog that will also translate over to digital. Plans to put all the segments on, on YouTube as well. So. Oh, yeah, okay. Awesome. That's, that's the big project. Um, I'm so excited. It's a new challenge for me in my career and I, I can't fucking wait. How, how long till air? Is there a date set? A couple weeks. Holy shit. It's that close already. We're, uh, so we, I don't know how much of this I can say, but like, fuck them. So, um, <laughs> just kidding. All the guys over there. I fucking love you. The opportunity, <laughs> don't fire me. Um, yeah, the uh, Friday, I think we're we're sitting down and like actually scripting out, doing the run of show, making sure that we have everything the way exactly the way we want it. And we go into filming and everything else pretty soon after that. But I think the first show we wanted to air roughly around like the 16th to the 18th. Awesome. Um, but yeah, soon. Very soon. Uh, how, ball will be rolling very soon. How long did you have to keep that a secret before putting out that video? We don't need to talk about it. All right. <laughs> good i want to ask any questions you can't answer yeah, we, don't, we don't need to talk about how i'm busy all right i always try to have i always next step man 
can never i'm never satisfied and it's it's slowly killing me but in time eventually i'll take a break but right now is not that time i'm too young good man good man dude Thank you so much for being here. I know two years after the initial invitation, um, but I, we were I just, just waiting for the TV show, man. That's all it was. That's we just right. Were waiting for the moment. Yeah. Part my brain just somehow knew that that was going to be coming. I'm like, oh, perfect time to Huge advertise brain. it to my Huge 50, thousand viewers. Uh, I really appreciate you you coming here. Um, I, I value your your opinion, your knowledge. I, I loved hearing about your story, and I'm sure when Vans listens to the VOD tomorrow that he's gonna give out all sorts of hand jobs but seriously <laughs> thank you thank you thank you for being here it was an awesome awesome show hey man thank you for taking the time everybody in chat thank you guys for tuning in as well uh whether you are lurking or chatting or whatever it is a great greatly appreciated you guys make the, the podcast go around but yeah you do all right dude i'm uh i'm gonna close out the show but i will bid you adieu and uh thanks again yeah have a good night man all have right later night, dude chat.